Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Cars, a copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Please calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 71. Do not interfere with the movement of an old Buick touring car. License 162375. 162375. This car contains ulcers on a tail job for the federal government. That's all. Rolls and clips. Superintendent's office, Murray speaking. This is the radio station, Mr. Murray, calling all cars on the air. There are millions of people listening to us, and I want you to tell them what you told me today at the refinery. And remember, your professional reputation as a technical man is at stake. What you say must be the absolute truth, and you must be prepared to prove it. I showed you the proof today at the refinery. It is absolutely true that there is no gasoline made which is superior to Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Great, Mr. Murray, but why? Because Rio Grande is the only gasoline on this market made by the Sinclair cracking process, a process that cost the worldwide Sinclair Oil Organization millions of dollars and years of research to perfect. Sinclair engineers built America's most modern and efficient cracking plant for Rio Grande. And because Rio Grande is the Pacific Coast and Southwest unit of Sinclair, only Rio Grande can use this exclusive method to break up every atom of gasoline and release the elements of energy, elements that are wasted in other processes. Fine. Now tell them why so many police departments specify Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Because Sinclair's cracking process actually does create more power, more liveliness, that's why Rio Grande cracked gasoline gives you police car performance. Good. Now listen in, Mr. Murray, and we'll show you how police cars use the gasoline you make. Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department is unable to be here this evening, but he has sent as his representative Captain C.B. Harlow, head of the Speed Squad who will now speak to you. Good evening, friends. Chief of Police Davis has always felt that the forces of the law should cooperate so closely, one with another, that in effect we would have in the United States a federal police force. This has been repeatedly proven in other countries as the most effective method by which to combat crime. During the time he has been chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, he has always placed the facilities and personnel under his command at the disposal of all other agencies of the law. The case which we have selected for dramatization tonight is one in which the services of three of our specially trained officers were requested by the United States Secret Service. 
Although the mission was of the utmost danger and would carry our men far beyond their legal jurisdiction, none of them faltered or held back. Loyalty of this sort, devotion to duty, to such a degree is a quality which cannot be bought. It preaches its own sermon on the type of men who safeguard your lives and property. On the afternoon of August 14, 1926, Detective Captain Tom O'Brien is summoned to the office of Chief of Detective H.H. Klein. You wanted to see me, Jib? Yes, Tom. I've got a very important assignment for you. Well, what is it? I want you to get three of your best men and report for duty at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning wearing old clothes. Old clothes? Losing in disguise, huh? That's about it. Well, what kind of a job is it? Well, I'm lending you to the Federals. Hmm? Pick men who are old-timers at tailing cars. Yeah, but what are we after? I can't tell you any more excepting this. Be prepared for anything. Now, you may be away for several days or longer. And above all, don't look like detectives. Captain O'Brien selects Detective Lieutenant F.T. Hawtrey, L.L. Curtis, and B.F. Cox to accompany him on the mysterious mission. He orders the men not to shave that night and to wear their oldest clothes. At 8 o'clock the next morning, the four officers are waiting in headquarters when Captain Hopkins of the Department of Justice arrives. Good morning, boys. Hello, Captain. Good morning. How are you, Captain? Tom, I think I'd better explain this to you alone first. Okay, Captain. Let's go into my office. Now, what's it all about? You're going to need plenty of nerve for this assignment, Tom. Maybe the last you or your men will ever undertake. You can't scare me off that way. Any assignment may be our last. Well, what's it all about? Revolution. Hmm, that sounds like a job for Red Hines. No, this isn't his kind of a revolution. Here's a dope. We've had men shadowing General Perez, the Mexican ex-secretary of war, ever since he arrived here after that last revolution in Mexico. Yeah? Well, General Perez is ready to go into action. What do you mean? What can he do up here more than 100 miles from the border? A couple of months ago, Perez and his backers placed an order for 400 rifles and 150,000 rounds of ammunition in New York. Those arms are consigned to the Watson Hardware Company in San Diego. But they weren't landed in San Diego. They were unloaded at San Pedro. Yeah? Been watching them for 10 days. They're in a warehouse on North Broadway, loaded on two trucks. Mm -hmm. The men in San Diego report to General Perez and his staff or to leave Los Angeles and other points today for Engineer Springs. That's up in the mountains behind San Diego. Mm -hmm. There they'll be met by an army of films who'll be armed with those guns. Engineer Springs is only a few miles from the border. Mm -hmm. The dirt road leads from there to Ticotti. They march from the Springs to Mexicali and Tijuana. So you want us to go down to the warehouse and knock over the trucks full of rifles before they get underway, huh? No, it's not as simple as that. These arms are legally consigned to the Watson Hardware Company in San Diego. Everything's within the law to lay past San Diego. They go beyond there, well, then it constitutes a violation of the Neutrality Act. Mm -hmm. Then we can knock them over. Your job is to tail those two trucks till they pass San Diego and are headed for the border. Can you do it? Can we tail them? <laughs> Say, if those boys of mine can keep bootleggers in sight in Los Angeles traffic... A couple of trucks will be a cinch. I don't doubt that, but this isn't as easy as it sounds. They mustn't know they're being followed. Oh, These birds mean business. 
They suspect you're behind them, and they pull into some canyon and shoot it out. Whether they simply delivered the arms to the hardware company in San Diego, and well, then we've got to wait weeks or months for the next move. The guy gets to catch him in an overt act. I get it. When do we start? Be at the corner of College and North Broadway at 4 o'clock this afternoon. In a private car. Right. An old touring car, possible. Anything but a police car. You see the trucks go by. They'll be convoyed by two passenger cars. One in front, one behind. They'll be around, but I won't be paying any attention to you or the trucks. My men and I will follow you later. All you have to do is keep those trucks in sight without being seen. Okay? Okay. Without telling his men what their mission is to be, Captain O'Brien sets them to assembling their equipment. Into a battered old Buick Master 6 touring car go rifles, sawed-off shotguns, a Thompson machine gun, water bottles, binoculars, food for two days. Curious reporters buzz around the taciturn police officers. Autry, Curtis, and Cox cannot, and O'Brien will not divulge the purpose of their mission. Finally, toward three o'clock, with everything in readiness, the four men leave headquarters. For a half hour, O'Brien drives the car in a circuitous route through Los Angeles Street until he's convinced that no reporter is left on the trail. And then he pulls up on a quiet side street. Well, boy, I guess you'd like to know what it's all about. Would we? Yeah. You give me the jitters, Cap. Let us in on it. Okay. Here's the lowdown. We're tailing two trucks full of arms and ammunition. They're illegally consigned to a hardware store in San Diego, but they're actually going to an army of Mexican revolutionists with Engineer Springs, 15 miles from the border. Regular Nick Carter stuff, eh? Yeah. Now, get this point straight, boys. This is a federal case. It's dangerous, and we may be killed. We'll be operating outside our own jurisdiction, and no one will be responsible for anything that happens to us. Now, if any of you, for any reason whatsoever feels that he's justified in taking the chance, he's got a perfect right to back out. Nobody will criticize you for that, and nobody else will ever know about it. Now, what do you say? Well, you ought to know us better than that, Tom. I'm not backing out. Come on, Tom. Let's get going. Okay, that's the answer I expected to get. We'll pull down here at the corner of College and Broadway. To the start from there. We can't make the pinch, can we? We're not supposed to. We just keep them in sight. The federal men will be right behind us. But they can't make arrests until the trucks have passed through San Diego and have violated the government's neutrality act. Here's a good place to pull in. Those are the trucks down at the corner? Yeah, in front of that warehouse. Yeah, two Mexicans in the front seat. Hey, look. A car just pulled up with a Mexican in it. He's handing a package to the driver of that front truck. Get the license number as he pulls away. Okay. During the next hour, several automobiles arrive at the scene and transfer packages to the truck. The officers obtain the license numbers of each of these cars to be used in a later phase of the investigation. Then at 4.30, an open sedan pulls slowly by the truck. How we go, boys? How do you know? You know the guy in that Oakland? Yeah. He answers Hopkins' description of Watson, the hardware man. He's leading the caravan. See? He's driven on. The trucks are following him. And we're following the trucks. Take a good look at the city hall, boys. It may be the last time you'll ever see it. (laughs) 
Los Angeles offices follow the gun runners. At 15 miles an hour, they creep along Telegraph Road through Santa Fe Springs. The sun splashes flat, dying yellow against the brown, burned hills of La Habra as the caravan tediously rolls onward. Early in the evening, they arrive at Santa Ana. O'Brien and his men watch the truck put up in the garage for the night, keeping the drivers and their assistants, or swampers, under constant watch. O'Brien and his men follow them about town. Toward ten o'clock, the captain takes a room in a hotel facing the main street. He is joined there by Captain Hopkins, the federal man. Well, Tom, how do we stand? Well, so far, so good. Hopkins is out on the swampers. We followed them to dinner to a pool hall and back to the garage. They're sleeping in the truck. We stuck with the drivers on the hotel directly across the street. We took this room so we could watch them. Fine. Any of them get wise? Not a bit. We've been walking around town in our shirt sleeves just like any other citizen this hot night. And on the way down, the traffic was so thick they had no way of knowing we were on their tail. So far, so good. Tomorrow's going to be the tough leg of this trip. Between here and Oceanside, there are practically no side roads and very little traffic. You'll have to be on your toes. I know it. You know, I think the best thing for you to do is get some sleep. I've got to keep my eyes on that hotel across the street so those birds don't slip out on me. Let me take care of that. Put a man downstairs in the lobby. He'll tip you off when they come out. I'll send another man over to relieve Hodry so he can get a little rest, too. Oh, that'll be fine. We'll need all our wits about us tomorrow. Sound right, you will. At 5 a.m. the following morning, the federal lookout in the lobby arouses Captain O'Brien and his men with the information that the two Mexican drivers had just left the hotel. Quickly dressing, the Los Angeles operators breakfast at a restaurant on the main highway out of town. While they are engaged with bacon and eggs, the two trucks, led by Watson's car, file by. A few minutes later, the officers take up the trail, follow the trucks out through Tustin, down the valley toward San Juan, Capistrano, and the sea. They are driving slowly along the straight stretch of road between San Juan and San Clemente when... Well, he passed us just a few minutes ago, headed for Santa Ana, and now he passes us going north. Looks like a Mexican to me. He might be the rear commodore of the outfit. Have to keep our eyes open, Tom. If he recognizes us again, we're stuck. Well, we're all right so far. No law against four dirty mags like us using the public highway. Yeah, but... Hey, wait a minute. There's the same car parked by the side of the road. There's a Mexican leaning against the fence. He's the rear convoy, no doubt about it. Must wait just over the top of every hill. Now, don't look his way, boys. Yeah, well, what are we going to do? It's a sense he's giving us a once-over. Well, we'll throw him off. See that oil well right here? Yeah. Well, for the next few minutes, we're oil drillers. What's the idea? Get out and inspect this well, boys. So plenty of interest in it until the hombre drives on. Yeah, well, listen. Just how do oil drillers inspect well? I don't know. But probably he doesn't know either. Curtis, you stand back here with me and look up at the dirt. Point your hands occasionally. Hot really? You and Cox put around the pump. Test the levers. Look busy. Oh. Now take a look in his direction every now and then. My back toward him. Yeah, he's sure standing there. You know, he might be the general. He looks something like General Perez. Might be at that. Anyway, let's call him the general. I got a hunch we're going to see a lot of him, so we may as well have a name for him. Well, the general doesn't seem to be very much interested in us. Uh-oh. He's getting on his horse. Which way is he driving? Toward San Diego. He's one of the boys, then. Out of sight yet? Yeah, he's just pulling over that hill down there. Okay, come on then. 
plenty cagey, that guy, but I think I'm on to his plan. Yeah, what is it, Tom? He stops on the other side of every hill and watches the cars that pass. When he's just over the brow of the hill and the approaching car can't see him until they're in full sight. But we can play the same game ourselves. How? Every hill we come to, we'll stop. One of us will go ahead on foot until he can just see over the brow of the hill. If the general's on guard, we stay where we are until he moves on. And the lookout signals us, and we pick him up and go on to the next hill. Sort of slow work, Tom. Maybe so, but they don't seem to be in a rush, and we can take just as much time as they do. Captain O'Brien's analysis of the strategy of the man they dubbed the general is correct. For at the next hill, Hotry sent on ahead sees the Mexican on guard on the other side of the elevation. Waiting until he's departed, Hotry motions to his companions who pick him up and continue on their route. So the slow, southerly progress is made. When Oceanside is reached, Captain O'Brien takes advantage of the parallel streets to scoot ahead of the expedition and take up a strategic point on a side street in the center of town. Hey, what's the idea of the hall? Roots, let's say. They can get to San Diego by the coast of the way of Escondido and inland route. If we see them go by the corner here, it means they're heading inland. And there they go. Well, boys, that means we're in for some heat. Yeah? What do you mean? No more ocean breezes. Today's going to be a scorcher, and that country back there really gets hot. Well, I can stand that sort of heat, just so long as our friend the general doesn't send his kind of heat on us. Right. Well, I guess we'd better get started after them. Hey, wait a minute. Here comes Hopkins. Well, how's it going, boys? Okay. They've taken the inland route. They were just going to start after them. Yeah, I knew they would. Just phone headquarters. They've got some dope on some new developments. Yeah? What sort of developments? Serious ones. Oh. There's 300 armed Mexicans near Ducati waiting for the reinforcements to be armed with the guns you're tailing. Hey, the general means business, doesn't he? Certainly he does. Here's something more important. The San Diego men have reported a rumor that 200 Mexican laborers from Imperial Valley and the Orange Groves are hidden in a canyon somewhere along the inland route. Waiting for their guns. Somewhere before we get to Engineer Springs? The rumor. They'll be on the lookout for a sudden deflection from our route to San Diego. Oh. And they unload their guns before they even get that far south. We've got to stop that. Well, then and I'll be right behind you. We'll take care of that, Em. Yeah, but you might not get up in time. We'll have to seize the trucks before they get a chance to unload them. Yeah, that's taking a big risk. You what I had in mind when I asked you for your men. I don't want to endanger your lives. Captain, we're in this thing to see it through. How about it, boys? You bet. Yeah, you're darn right, Tom. No, if they swing into a canyon or indicate in any way that they're going to unload, we'll move in on them and seize the truck. We'll do our best to hold off the truck crews until you arrive. Is that understood, boys? Understood. Come on, let's go. No use wasting any more time, Tom. Go to it, boys, and the best of luck. Into the blistering heat of the San Jacinto Mountains, the officers slowly follow the arms caravan. Several miles from Oceanside, they turn off the main inland route onto a little used side road. Supposing this is a shortcut to the cottage, the tail car follows. They have progressed for a few miles when suddenly over the brow of the hill streaks the General Hudson heading straight toward them. To be recognized now would be fatal. Tom O'Brien thinks fast. With a flick of the wheel, he swings the Buick off the road and onto an open field. Every gun, boys, and rest of those rabbits. Hey, what the... Your rabbit hunters, get hunting fast. Okay, let's go. Okay, boys, he's out of sight. Hey, what's it all about? Well, I couldn't let him see us again. I suddenly thought we'd be hunters for a few minutes. You're showing me a Jamie Hawk, see you swinging around like that. 
I didn't know what was coming off. Well, either the general's checking up again or the trucks have taken the wrong road. So we'll just stick around here and hunt some more rabbits until one of the other of them passes by. Yeah. And I bet there isn't a rabbit in this country this side of Riverside. O'Brien's quickly conceived stratagems saved the tailing officers from detection. And they are still hunting rabbits a few minutes later when the trucks and their convoy pass them traveling back to the main road. Onward through the hills, the caravan takes its dusty way until late in the afternoon they enter east of San Diego. This is the crucial moment in the officer's assignment. Well, boys, we'll know now what we're up against. If they think they ain't wise that we're following them. No, but they may just have a hunt that'll send these trucks into the Watson warehouse. Yeah, that intersection down at the bottom of this grade will tell the story. Keep your eyes on them. They've turned right. That means that they're not going into San Diego. And it means that they violated the Neutrality Act, and we're going to have to make some arrests. Let's go, Tom. Not so fast, boys. Hopkins will let us know when we knock him over. All we got to do just yet is to keep him in sight. Oh, I'd like to see a little action. So would I. I know, but remember, this isn't our show. This is the Federal. On through East San Diego and out into the rolling eastern hills, the caravan and its shadow travels. Just outside the town of La Mesa, the gun runners pulled up by the side of the road, and the general and Watson hold a hasty conversation. Then the general drives into town, believing that he's about to contact the revolutionists. O'Brien and his men follow. Their quarry enters a drugstore in the center of the town. O'Brien tells Lieutenant Curtis to follow the general in, but to wait a minute so as not to arouse suspicion. Meanwhile, Buenos dias, amigo. Huh? Oh, Buenos uh, dias. Hay teléfono aquí donde puedo telefonar sin estar escuchado. ¿Eh? Quiero decir, deseo el teléfono privado. Eh, sorry, Messi, you got me wrong. I don't speak Spanish. Oh. And there is no one else here who does? Eh, no, sir, but uh, can't I help you some way? To be sure. You have here a telephone booth? Hey, I'm sorry, it's out of order, but you can use the store phone if it's a local call. Oh. Aquí, diez dólares para usted. Huh? What's that? <laughs> I guess you don't speak Spanish, all right. Where did you say the phone was? Uh, right over there. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. Uh, something for you, sir? I, uh... Yeah. Uh, give me a Coca-Cola. Sure. Buenos dias, senor. How are you? There's a mucho color, no? I'm afraid you'll have to say it in English, brother. Oh, you speak no Spanish. <laughs> Lastima, that, that is too bad. I was saying it is very hot for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Especially driving. Well, I guess you're right. Of course, I haven't been out on the road today. You see, I live here in La Mesa. Oh. You will excuse me, senor. I'm, I must tell it. Sure, sure, go ahead. Yeah, Mexican friends are pretty sociable. Yeah, he fired out a string of Spanish at me, too. It, all Greek, as far as I'm concerned. What? Oh, that's a great help. Well, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. There's your money for the coat. So long. All right, thanks. Goodbye. What luck? Yeah, I couldn't get a thing. We was talking in Spanish. Oh, that was dumb of me. I forgot you couldn't understand Spanish. Oh, well, no great harm done. Hop in. 
Where do we go now? Just up the street away, out of the general's line of vision. Guess we can park here, okay? Yes. There he goes. He's left the car parked and he's walking back to the truck. We've got to be on our toes now. Figure we'll have to do a little shooting, Tom? Can't tell. We might. Look. The general seems to be giving that guy Watson orders. Yeah, and now the truck's moving on. We better get off the main street until they get by. Hey, the general's staying. The trucks are pulling on out without him. Probably is going to make a contact here in town. Do you suppose we ought to keep our eyes on him, too? No. Our orders are to stick to the trucks. Don't worry, Hopkins and his men are around here someplace, and I have them covered. And if my guess is right, we'll get our instructions to knock them over any minute now. This is the last lap. There's no doubt about it. They're heading for Ducati now. For several miles, the officers follow the gun track at a discreet distance. And then, as they're entering a canyon... Uh, a nice place this would be for an ambush. Yeah, you'd never have a chance. Hey, there's somebody stepping out into the road. Huh? Captain Hopkins. We're going to make the arrest now, boys, before they deliver the arms to the Mexicans. Okay, we're ready. Hey, that's the best news I've heard today, Captain. There are only two trucks in Watson's car now. We'll force his car to the side. Hopley and I will cover him. Cox, you take the first truck, and Curtis, you take the second. Okay. Ready any time you say. Anything else, Captain? No, no. Send some men to guard your prisoners. You get back to La Mesa. That will pick up all the leaders, too. Okay. See you later. <laughs> Guns ready, boys. Well, I'm glad we're going to see some action at last. There they are. Time on the hill ahead. Here we go. Pull up over there to the side. Get over. Come on, stick up your hands. I mean it. Drop that gun and stick up your hands. Hey. What's all this about? They're officers, and you're under arrest. Get out of that car. Under arrest? How come? Violation of the Neutrality Act. I don't know what you're talking about. This road goes through to Phoenix. I'm taking these trucks full of merchandise there. Merchandise, may I? Those trucks contain guns and ammunition, and they're manifested to San Diego. So there's been a change of plan. I don't say there has, and we've changed them. Got a permit for that gun you pulled on me? Yes. Here it is. Oh. Oh. Well, that's the only gun and two truckloads that you got a right to carry. Sorry, Mr. Watson. It's handcuffs in jail for you. The other officers quickly subdue the Mexican truck drivers and their assistants only one of whom is bound to be armed with a small spring knife. Leaving their prisoners under the guard of Hopkins' men, O'Brien and his command hastened back to La Mesa and joined Captain Hopkins, who has been keeping the man they have dubbed the general under constant surveillance. Under the magnolia tree on the outskirts of the little town near where the Hudson is parked, the general and a distinguished-looking man are talking. O'Brien and Hopkins approach them quietly. Good evening, General. 
Bueno, puede decir, vio que estamos ocupados. No decir estar molestado. No, no, you kidding, General. We're officers. You're under arrest. Under arrest? For what? For violation of the Neutrality Act. But, uh... I see it as useless. Your men have surrounded us quite useless, General. The trucks of guns and ammunition have been seized, and before tomorrow morning, most of your army will be under arrest. Very well. I yield. That's the wisest course. Who's this gentleman with you? One of my staff, Colonel Manuel Rojas. Better snap the cuffs on him. Okay. Come on, Colonel. Stick your hands up. You next, General. Well, I think we can place General Perez on his honor as an officer and a gentleman. Your trust is accepted and deeply appreciated, Senor Capitan. I had dreamed of saving my country from a tyrant's heel. My crime is unselfish patriotism. My God is liberty. To have ended up in chance would have been ignominious indeed. I thank you, Capitan, for your consideration. The Department of Justice agents captured an armored truck, four airplanes, and 40 automobiles at Engineer Springs. And nearby, 200 Mexican peons awaiting the armed shipment were placed under arrest. The prisoners, through the cooperation of General Smedley Butler, were housed in the Marine barracks in San Diego. Next day, 400 more Mexicans were arrested in the Imperial Valley. Thus, due to the excellent work of four Los Angeles police officers, the biggest single arrest in a neutrality matter in the history of the United States was successfully accomplished. The leaders of the revolution, including General Perez, were given sentences for from a year to 18 months in the federal penitentiary at McNeil's Island. Most of the members of the aborted revolution's army were placed on probation, and Captain O'Brien and Lieutenant Hawtrey, Curtis, and Cox were presented with valuable gold watches by the governor of Lower California in appreciation of their work in preventing a breach of neutrality between the United States and Mexico. Thank you, Captain Horrell. Hello there. Is America's most modern gasoline-cracking plant still listening? Yes, sir. I didn't miss a word. But remember, Rio Grande Cracked is refined by the exclusive Sinclair cracking process. And only Rio Grande has this cracking process for the Pacific Coast and the Southwest. And before you tell the audience that more police cars, fire engines, and emergency equipment use Rio Grande Cracked gasoline, let me say it for you. And add that the gasoline we furnish to so many cities for police and fire departments is exactly the same Rio Grande Cracked gasoline with Chester Ethel, it's sold by independent service stations. The amazing, mysterious case of the Hollywood ghost burglar is solved in the eighth-full issue of the Calling All Cars News. The unique free publication that your Rio Grande dealer gladly gives you each month. Ask for your free copy of the latest issue of Calling All Cars News.
Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars. Cancellation broadcast 71 regarding the movement of an old Buick touring car. License 162375. This car is on a tail job to the federal. The assignment has been successfully completed. That's all. Rolls and quits. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.